With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a Tennis.com podcast direct from the U.S. Open. Sponsored by Prince XO3 Racket Technology and by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis and follow their moves during the 2010 U.S. Open. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. Hey everyone, Tennis.com podcast, day two at the U.S. Open here. I'm Ed McGrogan here once again with Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner. Um, day two, a lot of the top seeds got real challenges in their opening matches. Um, Novak Djokovic, he won in five sets. There were early three-setters from Yankovic, Kuznetsova. Uh, but uh, Marty Fish, guy who had a really torrid summer, he... Uh, he went the distance as well, and uh, Steve, I think you were out there in the grandstand for that match. Uh, what did you see in that one? Yeah, it was a very strange match. Fish came out. Uh, his opponent, Jan Hayek, came out and was just missing everything for, for a set. And Fish won the first set 6-0, but it was almost as if it was too easy because once um, once Hayek started to make shots, Fish wasn't really didn't seem ready for it. Hayek played two really good sets um, and won the middle two sets. But um, completely went away the last two sets. He, he, you know, at the top of the, at the start of the fourth set, he, you know, he became a different player. Fish later said that he felt like he had he'd sort of worn him down, and, and his fitness played a played a big role. But Fish also said, which I thought was interesting, he he admitted that the, the expectations they, they sort of wore on him. He said he wasn't used to it, and he's still going to have to get used to to people talking about him as a, as a potential contender. What do you think about the leaner, meaner Marty Fish, Steve? You think it's for real? You think he's a contender here? I don't know. He, he, you know, he outlasted this guy, but he also played really passively. Hayek is not a big guy or a particularly big hitter, and he he dictated a lot of the points after the serve. Fish just sort of he basically sat back and rallied. So I don't I don't think that game is gonna is gonna take him all the way. Yeah, I was going to ask actually if if there was anything particular about Hayek that stuck out as maybe something that some type of play game that Fish had trouble with. Was there anything of his, or you think it was mostly all you know on Fish's racket where this match ended up? Because I mean, he did win all the rest of sets six zero, six zero, and six one. Yeah, I mean, the, the match was definitely determined by Hayek's play. Fish Fish was steady. I don't think he was particularly happy with the way he played. He said afterwards that wasn't nearly as aggressive as he wanted to be, but Hayek took that from him, and, and and he lost the sets when he just started to miss. So, so I, I don't know if that's a great sign for, for Marty that a guy in the first round can, can sort of determine the result with his own game. Right. Yeah, missing is not a good thing, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like a great thing to me. I mean, it's, you know, it's... Maybe it's maybe it's just an early scare and a sort of a pressure pressure moment that Marty had to get through. Room one now. Yeah, well, the, also just one question uh, 
Marcos Bagdadis or Ernest Gulbis, which was the bigger surprise PTU going out in the first round? I mean, both those guys were expected to go definitely a little deeper than day one, day two. Yeah, more- uh, to me, Marcos back down is no doubt about it. This is one of those, this is a real setback. I mean, the guy, you know, the guy's always been kind of flaky. You know, he sort of comes in and he disappears and it comes in. And granted, he's had some injury issues. He had fitness issues and stuff. But, you know, it looked like this summer, the past couple of weeks, looked like he was really ready to make a run, you know. And so, the, you know, the stage was set for him to really sort of complete this mini comeback of his by, by, you know, by doing well. He doesn't have to win a tournament, but he gets to the quarters of the semis and you think, well, the guy's reestablished himself as a regular top eight type of player. So to a loss like this to Clement, that's a crusher, especially seven five in the fifth. You know, uh, I think that's that's a real disappointing result by by Baghdadis, I must say. American Express presents Next Contenders. Your chance to get up close and personal with four of today's game changers in tennis: John Isner, Sam Query, Melanie Udan, and Caroline Wozniacki. Visit nextcontenders.com to follow the excitement during the 2010 U.S. Open and discover the person behind the player. It's tennis trivia time. Here's a chance to test your tennis knowledge with a tennis.com podcast trivia question. Brought to you by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. Are you ready? The question is, Patrick Rafter a back-to-back U.S. Open champion in 97 and 98, defeated what two other notable Prince team players on the way to his first title? If you think you know the answer to our trivia question, visit the official Prince Tennis Facebook page at facebook.com official.prince.tennis. Once again, that's facebook.com official.prince.tennis. Become a fan today, and be sure to leave your answer on the Prince Wall. No, I just agreed that um, Baghdadis was the bigger, bigger surprise, and it's too bad he had bigger surprise loss. He had a good um, summer, and Golbus. I mean, Chardy, the guy that Golbus lost to, is a is a good player. I was I sort of had that as a toss up match anyway. Pete, uh, what else uh, around the grounds you see today uh, that caught your eye? Still a lot of, you know, big pack schedule. Uh, what about uh, the rest of the matches today? Well, you know, I went out to watch this kid. My my, my pick for the day is a story to write was a Dolgolapov match. And he played David Ferrer, the number 10 seed, I guess. A very highly ranked player. And we know the guy nobody wants to play on a hot day at the U.S. Open. The guy is really, really steady. Really, really, you know, he's he's one of the most consistent players on a tour. His only real shortcoming is that when he gets in against the big guys like the, his countryman Nadal, he tends not to bring the same game or the same mentality to the field. Uh, it was it was a, it was a really one-sided match. Ferrer crushed him, but I'll tell you, I found out some interesting stuff about about Dolgolapov. Uh, you'll have to read the story. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play my hand here. But you have to check out the website and read it at Tennis World. But uh, this this kid's in, is an interesting player. He's got a lot, a lot of talent and a very interesting story. And we'll be seeing more of him. He's 48 in the world now. You know, he had some great results this summer, and. Uh, you know, he's 21 years old, so he's not really a prodigy at this point, but uh, he's, he's really a different breed of cat. Yeah, it's, it's funny that he's, that he's finally come around. I, when I, I did a story on Donald Young maybe five or six years ago, so I watched a bunch of junior tournaments, a bunch of the big junior tournaments, and Dolgolapov was a guy that really caught my eye. He's had an interesting game, really a lot of touch, not a big game, but he was a fun guy to watch, and I sort of was hoping that he would he would eventually do something. 
But you know, it was a heck of a day all around. Now. You had Svetlana Kuznetsova goes three sets. Granted, she won 6-1. You had Peter Polanski upsetting Juan Monaco. You had um, a bunch of really close matches. Even Rezai, Aravana Rezai, the French player who's, who, who won Madrid a couple months ago, who's, who hit, who's got a big game. She was, you know, she got by in straights, but 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. James Blake is in resurgence, it seems. He he, he, he pretty much uh, handled Christoph Ligon with, with very few problems. So, I mean, I'm just looking at the scoreboard he, as we speak on these slick new uh, Lenovo monitors we have here, and it's giving us all and kinds of... Uh, and Chang. It, all kinds of... Interesting, interesting, interesting results and very, very close matches. Chang, outside three. And of all that, you know, Djokovic was five sets too, so we'll see uh, how that goes for him. Fish goes five first round, see how it goes, and then Novak too. Much higher seed, also tested very early. We'll be back tomorrow with day three of the podcast uh, with Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner. I'm Emma Grogan. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Tennis.com podcast, sponsored by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis and follow their moves during the 2010 U.S. Open. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. And also by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. For more news and information, head over to tennis.com. Thanks for listening.